0: Did a great job. Well, we're glad you're here today. I know it's cold outside, but it's not cold inside. And it's going to get a lot hotter. <laughs> I'm praying and hoping that it does. I'm hoping that the fire comes down today. Amen. And let me encourage you. Let me encourage every one of you, youth, elderly, all of you, every single person in this house, let me encourage you that as I preach the word today and you feel the Holy Spirit trying to put that into you and meet you where you are, say, Lord, do it. Just do it, Holy Spirit. I need you, Holy Spirit, to do that in my life today. So just accept that. Appropriate that blessing as we preach the word because faith comes by hearing the word. And you have to come by faith to be pleasing to God. You must exercise your faith. You must be obedient to take that step. Well, I've taken that step so many times before. We'll take it one more time i prayed about that so many times. Pray about it one more time. Because I'm going to show you in the Scripture how, how people of God, sometimes the, God answers a prayer before it's left their mouth. Amen? Before it leaves their mouth, God has already answered the prayer. But sometimes you've got to prevail in prayer. Can you hear me? You've got to prevail in prayer. I have been told that if you pray more than one time, it's a lack of faith. I believe that's a bunch of hooey. Jesus prayed three times in the garden. Three times he prayed to the Father and asked specifically. But he ended it with, nevertheless, not what I want, but what you want. That's the way we pray. We pray, and 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 we pray. And we trust God to know what's best for us. He may not want to answer you the first time. He may want to know how, how intense you are about that request. Frivolous praying will not get answered. Persevering prayer will always, come on, will always be answered. It may not be answered your way, but it will always be answered his way. Last Wednesday night we preached from 2 Timothy chapter 2 verses 1 through 4. That's not where we're going today. And we preached about four things that Timothy told, I mean, that Paul told Timothy to do, to be. He said, Be strong in the grace of Jesus Christ. Be committed. Be durable. Be pleasing. Be focused. And we're going to look at someone today who are all who who was all of these things, to encourage you to know that you can be all of those things. All Scripture was inspired of the Holy Spirit and is profitable. The Old Testament is as profitable as the New Testament. We're going to the Old Testament today. To someone who is very famous, was one of the most courageous prophets of that time, Now, when Elijah, and that's who we're talking about today, Elijah, came on the scene, Israel was just like the United States of America. Divided, polarized, discouraged, distracted, and evil. If you don't think the United States is evil, just go out there and look around. Read the newspaper. Watch the news. Look at somebody in the eye and tell them you love Jesus. See how evil the world is. We live in an evil, evil, evil world. But where sin doth abound, grace does much more abound. It's not just equal. It much more abounds. Amen. So as we look at Elijah in these four instances, very quickly, (laughs) very quickly. How many of you have ever heard a Pentecostal preach quickly? Yeah. 1 Kings chapter 17. Bless you. Verses 7 through 16. Now, up until this time, Elijah was an unknown. Elijah is not mentioned before 1 Kings chapter 17. Don't be reading it now. Look at me. Listen to me. You can read it with me when I read it. Okay? Elijah was an unknown. Nobody ever even heard of this guy. He was from Gilead. He lived outside. He was hairy. He was rough. He was abrupt. There was nothing soft about Elijah. You got what you got, and he was quick to tell you. But the reason Elijah was that way, because Israel was not receiving the word of God any other way. They needed to hear it in a rough way. Sometimes our children, our grandchildren, need to hear our advice in a rough way. Way to get their attention to help them understand. I'm not kidding if you don't come home by 10, you are grounded, not 10 01. You are grounded. I will keep your phone for a week. See if they don't be, don't, they'll be at 9 30. But we sometimes we have to lay the law down. I think that's a problem today. We're not laying the law down. Well, Elijah was not timid. Help us be like Elijah. Come on now. Help us to be like Elijah. He come screeching into the scene. And he goes right up to the king of Israel. Now, this is not like the president of the United States. Who has the legislative and the judicial and the supreme court and all this stuff that kind of moderates what he can do and what he can't do? The king could do whatever he wanted to to, to ever, whoever he wanted to do, whenever he wanted to do it. If he if you had a vineyard he wanted, he just killed you and take it. Amen. He could do whatever he wanted to do. He was supreme. He had all power. He could kill you, he could let you live. So this unknown guy that looks like something out of the dungeons or whatever comes screeching up to Ahab and says, You are the problem. You are the problem. You have caused Israel to break the covenant with God. And you're the problem. Now, I don't know about you. That would be kind of difficult for me to do. Don't you think? To go up in front of the king. Say, you're the problem, bud. He can say, and you're dead, bud. But Ahab was a coward and a king. It says in 1 Kings, 1 Kings chapter 17, after some time, the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. You know why there had been no rain in the land? Because Elijah said, no rain. No rain. No rain. God says there's not gonna be rain, there's not gonna be no rain. But if rain, if God says there's gonna be rain, get your umbrella out. Because there's gonna be some rain. And God told Elijah, tell Ahab, this this evil king, I control everything. You are not all that. Watch this. No rain for three and a half years. Now, I'm sure the king looked at him and says, who are you? What kind of crazed person are you? You can't do that. You don't have the authority to do that. But he did, and the king was fixing to learn real quickly. So there was not one drop of rain fall in that whole land for three and a half years. Let me tell you something. You may be in the middle of a drought. Come on. You may be in the middle of a drought, but there's going to come a time when God says, get your umbrella out. Drought's over. I control the weather. Mother Nature don't control the weather. Father God controls the weather. Amen. So he says, no rain for three and a half years. So the the word of the Lord tells him, go to Zarephath which belongs to Zidon, and dwell there. See, I have committed a widow there to provide for you. Not only do I control the rain, I control the enemy. This widow from Zarephath was in enemy territory, not friendly territory. Why didn't God send him to Israel? Because Israel was rebellious, disobedient, and they could not listen to God, and would not listen to God. So God had to go to a... a, an ungodly woman or a person that lived outside of Israel to get her to meet the needs of his prophet. You know what that tells me, Dennis? God can use anybody he wants to. Anybody. We don't decide. God decides. Okay, that widow in Zarephath, which is like 60 miles away and it's up in enemy territory, go to her house. Don't go to Walmart. Don't go to Target. Don't go to Super 1 or whatever that is. Don't go there. Go to that widow's house. So he obeys God. That was the second step that caused Elijah to be such a great man. He obeyed God. You know, a lot of us pray, and we pray, and pray, and God answers, and we go, oh, that's not the prayer I want. I'm going to keep praying. I don't like that answer. Let's negotiate. Elijah, Elijah did not negotiate with God. Whatever God told him to do, it didn't matter how stupid or crazy it was. He did it. Now, if God come to you and says, okay, I want you to prophesy. There's not going to be rain for three and a half years. Would you do it? You would not. You'd negotiate. Go tell Pastor Mike. Let him, let him tell the people that. Who am I to tell them that? Elijah had, did not have that problem. He was convinced that whatever God told him to do, it was going to come to pass. So he goes to this widow's house. And guess what? She has all the food laid out on the table, all the drink laid out for months and months. If mean, she had a storehouse full of food, I mean, she was, she was prepared to feed this guy and her family until the, the drought was over three and a half years. When he walked up to her, you know what she had in her hands? Two sticks. He says, could you bring me a drink of water? Now, I want you to understand that all scriptures is inspired of God. None of this is uninspired. The Holy Ghost breathed out every word of this. So there is something about every Scripture. Could you go get me a drink of water? Man, I'm really thirsty. She did not hesitate. She was leaving to get him a drink of water. And by the way, could you bring me something to eat? Now, that was different. That was different. We had plenty of water. We ain't got a lot of food. She said, man, I am so Sorry. I'm so sorry. I can't do that for you. I have two sticks. I was fixing to take this to my house and cook a handful of meal and oil, and my son and I was going to eat it, and then we were going to die. What a sorry state of affairs. But little did she know that when she woke up that morning, when she went to sleep that night, everything is going to be different. That's what I'm talking to you about. You wake up in the morning, and and, and everything is, is bad and, and horrible and and you can't understand it, and it's and before you go to bed that night, God says, I'm going to change your life totally. I'm going I'm to ta- bless you so much you won't be able to understand it. He says, just bring me a little cake. And she did. The last food that she had, she gave to this guy. He was not from her country. He was not a friend or a relative. He was a stranger, but there was something different about him. And she gave him that little cake, and then he said, Okay, because of your faith and obedience, the God who I serve and stand in front of is going to bless your socks off. The meal and the oil will not fail until the drought is over. <laughs> So for three and a half years, she went to the same barrel and got the meal. She went to the same jar and got the oil, and it never failed. I, I don't know about you, what, what that would do for you, but that would change my, my mentality. That would change the whole way I think. I mean, my goodness, if this, if this God of this, of this man is able to do that, is there anything he can't do? I mean, I would really like to know more about this, guy, this God, okay? So that was the first miracle. God can command the ravens to bring you bread and meat if he has to. Can he? When, when, when Elijah approached Ahab at the very beginning and he prophesied over him, it says that, that Elijah went to a, a, a brook and he stayed there and God fed him. In the morning and in the evening with fresh bread and fresh meat. Now, <clears throat> I don't eat things that have been killed by birds. I mean, I don't care how hungry I am. If I'm going the road down the road and I see roadkill, I'm not stopping to get it. No, I, I will travel, probably die first. So that's roadkill. But can you imagine ravens coming in, flapping in, and there they come, there they come. some fresh meat here's some fresh meat another raven would fly and say here here's some fresh bread can you imagine what the ravens are thinking the ravens don't think right they just obey god ravens obey god if y'all waiting for it to get better it's not gonna get any better ravens obey god bread obeys god Oil obeys God. If God looks at that oil and says, You will continue for three and a half years, that oil will continue for three and a half years. If he says you're gonna last for a thousand years, that oil will last for a thousand years. Because God controls the elements. I only have a few fish and a few pieces of bread. What's that among so many? Jesus says, Bring it to me. That's what Jesus wants you to do. If you have a lack, bring it to bring him what you have and see if he won't bless it. A few fish and a few pieces of bread, and God blesses it and feeds at least five thousand people. And that doesn't affect you very much because most of you have heard that story many times. But you need to think about it. Because there may be somebody here, you may be the one that's sitting there going, I don't have enough food in my pantry. I don't have any money to buy food. If you will just give God what you've got, he will bless it and it will be sufficient for you. And that includes money, your children. Come on, your grandchildren. I have such a rebellious grandson. He says, bring him to me. I don't want to get in front of myself. I don't know how you do that. So, miracle number one, God controls the food. He just needs someone to be obedient. Amen? 1 Kings chapter 17, verses 19 through 24. Now, this woman had seen a miracle, a really bona fide miracle about the, the meal and the oil. And that was real. That touched her where she lived. That provided sustenance for her and her son. And this man had brought it to pass. So now, a few days after that, some some people believe it was a year later, her son gets so sick that he dies. That kind of put a blip on my radar. Wouldn't it on yours? That kind of made me back up. And that's what this woman did. And she went to him and says, why did you come here in the first place? Why did you come here? My son is dying. Is it because of my sins? You want to remind me of how sinful I am? Is that why my son is dying or dead? Elijah didn't say anything except bring me your son. That's what God wants you to do. Whatever problem you have, whatever need, just bring it to Him. Amen? Just bring it to Him. He can handle it. He can take care of it. Amen? God has the power over food. He has the power over death. Oh, my gosh. God has the power over life and death. Is there anything He cannot do? Just bring him to me. What would have happened if this woman had not taken her son to Elijah? And she says, "I'm so mad at you and upset at you. I'm not take, I, I don't. I want you to leave my house. My son is dying. My joy is gone. Poof." But Elijah says, "Just bring me your son." Is it difficult for us to bring him our needs? Sometimes it is. And we keep him from blessing us. What did Elijah do? It says he took him upstairs. He took him away from the negativity. Are you with me? From the negativity, and he was taking him to the positivity. Getting out of the arena of the natural and fixing to step into the arena of the supernatural. You with me? Are you with me? So he takes him upstairs and he starts praying. The first thing he says is, okay, God, so what's up? Why did you do this? Why did you kill this boy? Why did you let this boy die? God did not answer him. Sometimes God will not answer your prayers because you don't need an answer. Come on, because you don't need an answer. You just need to keep praying. You need to keep praying until God gives you his answer. And then it says that Elijah did this strange thing. You know how we lay hands on people when we pray for them? That's what he did to this boy, except he laid his body on him. (laughs) Now, I don't know exactly how he did that. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? It says he laid his body across his boy, and he prayed, Oh, Lord, let life come back into this boy. I don't know how many times he had to pray that. But sooner or later, he heard that little boy. a breath, and life came back into his body. Why God does that for some, and he doesn't do it for all, is none of my business. I've had a grandson die at 100 days old. He had cancer of the colon, 100 days old. My first grandbaby, a little boy. And we prayed before he passed. We prayed and we prayed and we prayed and we prayed all night long. We prayed and and just pled with God and the baby passed. Why does God choose to let that happen sometimes and he choose to breathe life back into? He has a reason. He has a reason, but he doesn't have to give it to us. If we trust him to know what's best for us. That boy took a breath. What did Elijah do? He picked him up and he took him down and says, Look, your boy's alive. She goes, Oh, cool. Cool, that's cool. What else? What other tricks can you do? Is that what you think she did? I think she had a Pentecostal moment. You think about it for a minute your pride and joy is gone and God brings him back to you or bring her back to you what will you do you will get beside yourself in praising and worshipping amen and she says and she says to Elijah because of what you just did now i know that you are a man of god not by the meal but because you Caused my dead son to come back to life again. That changed my mind too. Send the life. When we first moved here, I was 70, 60, 70, somewhere around there. How old was I when we got here? That was nine years ago, and I'm 70, so it's early 60s, 65. I had been in the military for twenty years. I'd been pastoring and ministering for twenty years. I was burnt out. So I said to myself, When we get to this church that we're gonna stay, I'm gonna do three things. I'm gonna be the best, the best member that he's got. I'll be faithful and I'll be his sword bearer. What I was really saying was, I'm backing up. I don't want any responsibility. I didn't even tell anybody I was a minister. I didn't want them to know. I didn't want them to call upon my ministry because I thought it was over. I was ready for it to be over. I was tired of it. That didn't last very long. Pastor Mike was my pastor. You know how tenacious that boy is? Do you? Do you know how tenacious he is? He like a bulldog that grabs a hole and he is not going to let go. You could beat that dog to death, and that they'll still be alive. They'll still be batting that, whatever it is. And he came to me one day, and I, and I said, will not you leave me alone? Just let me fade away. I'm, I'm ready. I'm, I'm ready to leave this church. I'm ready to leave them, men. I'm ready to go away. He said, No, not going to happen. He said, Because the Lord told me pursue Randall. Pursue Ray. I don't remember your name. Pursue her. Pursue her. Pursue who? And that's what Pastor Mike does. He pursues us, doesn't he? I mean, he, he is like that bulldog. He pursues us. He chases us. He prays for us. He wants to be involved. And you can tell when he's talking to you, he's looking right in your eyeball. And whatever you're saying is, is coming right. I hate it when people are shaking their hands over there. Pastor Mike, don't do that. He is right there. He's right there. How you doing, brother? How you doing? Look right at your eyes and see if you're lying or not. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it took months and months and months of his praying and and pursuing me. And and he would say say things like, "If, if Randall is in the house, I need him up in the altar praying with me. During the altar call. I'd be hiding somewhere, back there somewhere. If you're here, Randall, I need you up here praying with me. I go, my Lord. And he did this several times. Sometimes I was standing back there, and he grabbed me and pulled me up here. That's what Jesus does. He is a man of God. He is like Jesus to us. He preaches the word. He, he secures us. He pursues us. He wants the best for you. And he, if he has to grab a hold of you and draw you up to this altar to help him pray or to be prayed for, let him do it. I guarantee you you'll be blessed. The woman says, Now I know who you are. You are a prophet of the Most High God. And I believe I would be saying the same thing. So God has, because of this woman's obedience, done two miracles for her provided sustenance until the row was over and brought her son back to life pretty cool so we go down the road a few a few months or a year or whatever and Elijah's going to bring the problem to a head. You know, God will let things go along for so long, and then he'll bring it to a head. You know what that means? It means that he will bring things to pass, to happen, to bring you to a point where you've got to make a decision. Are you for me, or are you against me? Now, at this time, Israel was against God. They had broken the covenant, and they had started worshiping God. False idols. That's the worst thing you can do. The worst thing you can do is worship for false idols. God will not. So now God is saying, I'm going to bring that to a to a head. So he sends his prophet back to Ahab. And the prophet tells King Ahab, he says, I want you to get all of those prophets that sit at your table and you feed and you depend upon all 850 of them, and I want you to bring them to Mount Carmel. And I want you to tell all the people of Israel to come and meet me at the mountain of Mount Carmel. This is about 60 miles away from Jezreel, where King Ahab lived. So all of these millions of people going to Mount Carmel to see what this hairy man from the desert is going to do. And they come there, and you've heard this story. It still amazes me every time I read it, because the point is, well, the point that the Holy Spirit had, had uh that's, that put in the word of God is to teach us don't ever give up on one another. Don't ever give up on God. Because he's not going to give up on you. So they all show up. They're all waiting for Ahab to say something. He says, okay, here's what we're going to do, boys and girls. I want I want two big cows brought to me. I'm going to give one cow to the, these guys, and we're going to we'll keep one cow for us. And we're going we're gonna to do something, and whichever one God answers by fire, that will be God. And all the Israelites said, that's cool with us, if you could do that. So, and you know the story. The 850, that's a lot of prophets. That's a lot of noise. And they prayed. And they prayed to their false god, Baal. Please come down and destroy this by fire. Please send down the fire. And they went all day long at lunchtime. Elijah says, you need to pray louder. He may be asleep. He was making fun of their king because he knew that there was no king. There was no God there. Pray louder. Maybe he's going on vacation. And then they really got frenzied and started cutting on one another. And he said, Blood was gushing out. 850 people cutting on one another is a lot of blood. And how many have smelled blood? It is horrible. I mean, it is horrible, horrible. But this was a lot of blood letting going on, and, and it was everywhere, and it was on the altar and on the cow. And, and about the time of the evening sacrifice. Now, you remember how long he had to pray for the boy to be brought back to life? About the the time for the evening sacrifice, Elijah says, Okay, that's enough. Just be quiet. You've had your time. That's what you need to tell the devil. That's what you need to tell those lies that he tells you. Those evil people that come to you and try to mess your life up. You've had, I've had enough of you. You need to leave me alone and be quiet. I'm going to hear what God has to say about this. Are you with me this morning? Are you with me this morning? Because the devil is your adversary, and he will never stop pursuing you. I know the Bible says that he will leave, but he will be back. He'll be back with another ploy, another lie, and he'll drag you back down into a place that you were. There's a time when you need to say, devil, I've had enough of you. I've had enough of your lies. Enough of, of I've just had enough of you, so just shut up. Sit down, and let's watch God. So he prays 41 words in Hebrew. His prayers, 41 words. It lasts 18 and a half seconds of prayer. How many of you would like to pray 18 seconds and get fire to come down from heaven? Two of you. Well, that's good. That's good. Boy, y'all are hard bunches today. Tough bunch. If I could pray 18 and a half seconds and the fire come down from heaven, I think I'd be praying all the time. 18 and a half seconds. I, I did it. I prayed that prayer, and, and it took me 18 and a half seconds. I go, wow, that, was, that wasn't that was much of a prayer. Elijah says I don't need to say much. I don't need to say much. God already knows what he's going to do. We just open the door and let him do it. And can you imagine all these false prophets? He says 41 words in Hebrew and then he stops. Then he says, "Okay, I want you to take what Was it four barrels of water and pour it on the altar. And take four more and pour, pour it up. Take, take four more. So that's 12 large jars of water pour on the altar, so the bull is soaked, the wood is soaked, the ground is soaked, the dust is soaked, the rocks are soaked, it's all soaking wet. And I'm sure these problems are going, yeah, we'll see what happens now. And as soon as Elijah got through praying, come on now, come on. As soon as a man of God got through asking God to do his thing, it says that God sent a fire so powerful from heaven that it burned up the wood. It burned up the rocks. It burned up the dust. It burned up the water. And it burned up that cow. There was not nothing left, not even a smell. Amen. And what was left there was just a nothing, a bunch of nothing. Those guys were getting scared because of this one guy. And as soon as that happened, Elijah looked at the Israelites and he says, Go get them, boys. Go get them. Get the false prophets and don't let any of them escape. And they did, and they killed every one of them. Killed every one of them. Why did that have to happen? Because... You've got to cut the snake off at the head. Amen? When you're going after the enemy, you can't leave a part of him alive. You've got to cut him off at the head. Kill him. Get rid of him. All parts of him. Sometimes we leave a, p- a part of him left, and he sets up here, and he whispers to us, and sooner or later, we, we start going his way again. You've got to talk to him and tell him, you're going down today. I know the man's gonna bring you down. He gonna bring you down like you've never been brought down before. In front of all of your prophets. And that's what happened. And they killed every one of those prophets. 850. That's a lot of killing. Amen. It's a lot of killing. And this is where we're going to end today. Oh yeah, we're doing great. We got 18 minutes. Y'all tell Pastor we we ended early when he gets back. Okay. Randall did a good job. We we got out of there at five till 12. So now all of this has gone on. Elijah has watched God multiply that meal and that oil for that widow. Had watched him bring that little boy back to life again. Had watched him bring fire from heaven and and just ate up everything on the ground. And watched God help his people kill all those false idols and get the false prophets and get them out of the way. But now the test for Elijah comes. So Ahab goes to his wife Jezebel and says you know what Elijah did he had every one of our prophets killed every one of them 850 of our prophets he killed them he didn't talk about the miracles just Elijah and Israel killing them and she said if I don't do to him what he did to them, then let me die right here. As soon as Elijah heard about this, it says when, she, when he found out that she was serious, he started running. The man who had seen God do the oil and the meal and the life back to the boy and killing the 850 prophets and bringing fire from heaven, he starts running away from this woman. Seriously, when he found out she was serious about killing him, he hooked it to the desert. He went to Beersheba, which is like a 100 miles away from where he was at, where they were at. 100 miles by foot, that's a long ways, long ways. So he is in the desert, and he's complaining to God, I'm done, God. Just let me die right here. Just let me die right here. And God said He says, Go outside on the on this little cliff, and God passed by him. And there was an earthquake and wind and all that. And God says, I'm not any of that. I'm in this still small voice. So what God was saying was, listen to my voice. That's his voice. That Bible is his voice. Listen to my voice. The Holy Spirit is his voice. Listen to what I say. Don't listen to what that woman says. She's just a woman. He's just a man. Listen to what I say. And then a few chapters later, we see Elijah back in Jezreel. He has been restored to his faith, and he goes up to Ahab because Ahab had killed a man called Naboth just so he could have his vineyard. And God was incensed with that. And he told, he told Elijah, go tell Ahab he's finished. He's done. It's over for him and his wife. They're through this day. And, Ahab, and Elijah went to Ahab and says, because of what you did, God is going to kill you and the dogs will be eating you at that wall, right outside this wall. You and your wife, the dogs will be eating you and licking up the blood. You see, you just don't mess with God's stuff. There'll come a time when God says, that's enough. I'm going to end it. And that's what happened. And that's exactly what happened. Ahab and and Jezebel, they were killed and they were eaten by the dogs outside the wall. So what does that mean to us? That means that God is ready to do anything that needs to be done through you. Well, that was Elijah. This is just Randall. God says, the words, my words in your mouth is as powerful as my words in his mouth. You understand that? It wasn't Elijah. It was the God of Elijah. It was the Holy Spirit of God. And that Holy Spirit is present today in the church to undo the works of the devil, to kill the false prophets, to kill the lies of the false prophecies. But he needs somebody to stand up and say, I trust you, Lord. I will obey you. Tell me what you want done, and I will do it. In your name. No negotiation. No other praying. You sell it to me, Lord, and I will do it. That's who God's that's who's God looking for. That is who God is looking for today. Most of us don't want to be that person. We just want to go to a live class and get blessed and come to church and be blessed and give our tithe offering and, and be involved in a few ministries around the church. God's got enough of those. What he's looking for is the present day Elijah who says, I don't care if God tells me to go see the king, put my life on the line. That's where I'm headed. Because I trust him. I trust him. Elijah was the most powerful prophet of Israel until Elisha came along. And Elisha prayed, Let me have a double portion. God says, You got it. You got it. And he does he did twice as many miracles as Elijah did. What, What am I telling you? There's going to be good days and bad days. There's going to be good times and bad times. There's going to be valleys and mountaintops. There's going to be times when you see the miracle and everything is wonderful. There's going to be a time when you have to persevere in prayer, waiting on the perfect timing of God to get that done. And there's going to be times when you feel the fear of what men and women and the world can do to you, and you will want to run and hide. God understands that, but God has made provision for you even in your running. You understand what I'm saying? God has made provision for you. He will never give up on you. The gifts and talents and the calling that he's put in your life will always be there until you die. So my question for you is, what are you waiting for? What do you need to be an Elijah? What do you need? Somebody tell me, what do you need? You have to say it real loud because I'm half deaf. What do you need to be an Elijah? What? You need faith? You need more faith? Hearing the word brings more faith. So spend more time reading the word and listening to sermons than doing other things. What else do you need to be an Elijah? Elijah? Besides faith, what do you need? I mean, if, if you're lacking something, is that's what's keeping you from being Elijah? What do you lack that God can provide for you? The power of the Holy Spirit? Is that what you need? It's available. He's available. Authority? He's already given it to you. Power? He's already given it to you. Jesus said, all power and authority has been given to me. There it is. Go do what I've done. So what are we waiting for in the church today to be an Elijah? If you're waiting for God to get behind you and propel you forward, he probably won't do that. He wants you to come to him and say, I surrender. I just surrender. I may not look like much. I may not know a lot. But I'm yours, Lord. Do whatever you want to do to me and through me. Can we do that? Can we do that? Can you do that? Would you do that? That's what God's asking you today. This, isn't, this is a, a uh, integrated sermon. Feed me. Feed me. Tell me. Answer the question. Are you ready to be the Elijah of your time? God wants her to be an Elijah. Well, he wouldn't call her Elijah. He may call her Arabelle. He wants you to be an Elijah. He doesn't want you to be in and out, up and down, happy, sad. He wants you to stand up in the morning and, and say, I am Elijah, I am the man of God, I serve a king who is unstoppable. We sing that song. He says, if you really think that, if you really believe that, then let me be unstoppable in you. This is a horrible time we live in, and it's a wonderful time we live in. We may be the last generation, Ray, the last generation. God needs you to lay aside those things which so easily beset you and take up your cross and follow him wherever it leads, wherever it leads. I felt a lot of buffeting today. The Spirit was moving Wednesday night, but I'm feeling a lot of buffeting because the devil doesn't want you to appropriate these promises because he knows he'll be in big trouble if just a ten of you really take this challenge and becomes an Elijah for God. He knows what kind of trouble he's going to be in. So stand with me right now. We're going to make a commitment. Stand up with me. Carol's going to come to the piano. Now, I firmly believe that this is not an addendum to the service. I believe this is the main event right here. God really wants to know what your answer is today. He wants you to answer him today. And if something hindering you, come down here and let us get the elders of the church and pray with faith, anointing with the oil. and then, then you can go on and fulfill the calling that God has for you. You're never too old or young, rich or poor. does not matter to God. What you've done in the past does not matter to God. What you do now and in the future matters everything to God. Are you with me this morning? So we've come to the place where Israel had to come. God says, I'm going to make you decide today whether you're going to serve me or not. So, if I'm God, then serve me. If I'm not God, don't serve me. And he proved by the fire that he was God. And you know what Israel said right there? You know what Israel's reply was to the the question? He is God. He is God, and we will worship and serve him. Because he has proved that he is God. So, let's pray. Just like we did Wednesday night, we just started praying and people felt the compulsion to come down here and be prayed for and just to pray. And we had a great time in the Lord. It takes some obedience and some faith to get your blessing. So, if you're ready or if you're needy, I want you to come down here and let's pray. Let's get this done. It's time. It is high time for the church to be the church and all the power and authority of the Holy Spirit. So come down here and let's pray together.